my gosh, finally someone is talking about the things that we wish we had words for, or we wish that people understood the struggle of wrestling with both admitting that maybe I don't want a relationship right now and I'm really good and I don't need any more encouragement in my singleness to try to find someone. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. It's day three of National Unmarried and Single Americans Week, and today we're talking with someone who knows a little bit about the single life and wrote a book about it called Single Shouldn't Suck. Esther Marie is here to help us let go of finding the one and love the life that's right in front of us. Here's a little bit more about Esther Marie. Esther Marie is passionate about helping singles learn to love their life and discover their full potential. With a background in theological studies and humanitarian relief, Esther's message offers biblical truth paired with brow-raising stories to guide you along your journey of self-discovery. You can catch Esther riding waves near her home in California or playing with her nieces and nephews. My interview with Esther Marie, right after this. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. Esther, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen. I'm so excited for our conversation today. I am too. And I want to thank you for your work that you're doing. I want to start the conversation with just reading a little bit from a chapter you call Honestly. And you say, I'm really tired of this. I'm tired of being single tired of this whole process, tired of choosing someone that doesn't choose me, tired of hoping only to be disappointed, tired of getting excited only to be frustrated, tired of not being fought for, tired of having a dream that feels unattainable, tired of feeling out of everyone's league, tired of hurting, tired of feeling like I'll never be worthy, tired of being overlooked, tired of trying, tired of hearing all the cliches, tired of first dates, tired of waiting, tired of playing the game. Will this ever end? Because I'm tired and none of this really seems worth it. So when I read that, I thought, oh my, that could have been from my journal from my so many years in the (laughs) dating scene. So to speak to where that came from. The bottom of my soul, (laughs) you know, and I just think that, you know, that I titled that honestly, because I think that sometimes we're afraid to be honest with ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're afraid to be honest with people. We're afraid to be honest with God. We're afraid to be honest with the world because we want to be optimistic. 
we want to believe, okay, yeah, just around the corner, (laughs) I'm going to meet someone. And I think that that's beautiful. But I think that so often I fall into the category of always trying to look for the silver lining. I'm never growing because I'm not being honest with myself. And I think that in singleness and in any other season, we're given these opportunities to be honest with what we feel is lacking or missing so that we can confront those areas of our hearts that actually do need attention and that we can just be so open with, wow, this sometimes does suck, but that's not where I'm going to end the story. I'm going to keep going, but I'm not going to be afraid of confessing what I feel at the, uh, at the expense of, oh my gosh, like, what if that means that I'm never going to meet someone, I'm going to be single forever. <laughs> and I think oftentimes singles, when we are in conversation, especially with our married friends or friends in a relationship, we don't feel like we have permission to be honest because we know what's coming. We know that they're going to say, oh, but it's okay. You're going to meet someone. (laughs) And sometimes you just don't want that. You just want them to be like, yeah, I remember what that felt like too. And so that's why I wrote that. It, that is a hard part of the single experience. And I know that one of your, was it bungalow babes? You guys called yourselves Sierra. Yeah, Sierra ends up getting married a little bit earlier than the other two. I don't know what happened to Phoenix, but it can be tough when someone meets their person and then you are still out there living your life. And that common ground that you had with your dearest friends, now you don't quite understand each other's experiences anymore. And so to your point, sometimes you share your heart and you get these cliched answers and they mean well, they're so well-intentioned. So mm-hmm. you don't, you feel like kind of a, a jerk to be like, oh, that didn't help. <laughs> but because you know, they're coming from a pure place and they don't know what to say because they, they hurt for you. Right. And so there's a, there's a tension there that you're really, you're speaking to in that very honest, like you said, from the depths of your soul. Absolutely. And so I think that we need to be okay with the uncomfortable. And we need to be okay with the awkward conversations. And especially, I hope that, you know, people in relationships, when, you know, the few that are reading a book on singleness, that they understand that we don't always need a solution in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Because those solutions, again, though they come from a pure place, they often fall flat. And a lot of times, well, you just need to, you know, the kind of things that I address in my book, you just need to get back out there. I'm like, where do you think I am all day, by the way? <laughs> Those <laughs> kinds of things that people think are like, well, it worked for me. Try this app. It worked for me. Well, I'm glad it worked for you, but maybe that person you're talking to has been on that app for years or they were on it for a year and then bounced off. You know, So unfortunately, those kinds of words of encouragement often do fall very flat. And you speak to that in your book. Another thing that I was really struck by, he said, I couldn't be more grateful for the loneliness and singleness that provided the opportunity to live this moment. I think you were on a beach somewhere. Were you, was that when you did the switchback video? Switchback music video. I I think, yeah, I think so. I remember sitting around the campfire with all the guys and my favorite band. I was like, how is this real life? How am I in a music video with my favorite band right now? Chilling on a beach in San Diego, this amazing backdrop sunset, singing songs around a campfire and thinking, holy crap, I get to live this moment. 
And I got to even play a little romance part in the music video and hold hands with this guy and flirt a little bit. And I was just thinking, this is such a gift. This is just as good if I had the thing that I wish I had. And I think so often we get in this addiction to discontentment because we're comparing what we don't have to what we wish we had to what we do have and what we used to have. And it's just we get in this cycle and we're addicted to the feeling of wishing and hoping. But really what we want could be right in front of us. Yeah. And to be present and all the psych research, there's more and more coming out about mindfulness, they call it. And it's Mm -hmm. about being in that Mm -hmm. present moment and remembering that the past focusing too much on the past can lead to ruminating about things we can't change. And that's related to depression, Mm -hmm. of course. And then worrying too much about the future again, out of our control, we can certainly take steps in the moment right. today to plan and prepare to the best of our ability, but mm-hmm. life throws us curveballs all the time. And of course, folks who are very rooted in the future end up struggling with anxiety. So we know that there's so much wisdom in being in that present moment. And of course, gratitude, being grateful. I was just really struck by the fact that you were grateful for the loneliness in singleness that had mm-hmm. provided you the opportunity to live that moment. And then another quote from just a paragraph before, loneliness always leads to togetherness. Speak to that a little bit. Well, I think that everyone's life story is different. So I can't compare and and say, you're going to end up the way I did. You're going to find the community I found. I think certainly there are things that we can do that will lead us to community and friendship. And, you know, I, I hear from a lot of singles that say, I just, I don't have any single friends left, or I live in a small town and it's hard for me to meet people. And so I understand that there's frustrations that maybe I haven't even walked through. So just with what I say, I just want people and listeners to know that your journey is different. And I understand it could, your life situation can make it even more difficult than it was for me or maybe others to find togetherness. But I want to redefine what togetherness is, because I think that oftentimes we look at loneliness as, or rather aloneness meaning I'm single, I'm alone, and and it's just me right now. And we discredit the connectedness we can have to ourselves. We discredit the connectedness we can have to the world around us. We miss out on the opportunity to find community in a coffee shop. You know, I'm in a coffee shop right now. I'm surrounded by all these people. They don't know me. They're hearing my story on the back end. And I could have a conversation with them right after I get off this call and find togetherness. And so I think so much of that journey of the journey to the one or a relationship or marriage, we're so fantasizing about this one day at the altar event or when you're going to meet someone day to meet cute. Mm-hmm. And we fantasize so much about that, that we miss out on the loneliness that's actually paving the way for opportunity to be connected to ourselves and the world around us to build those friendships. So loneliness is actually, it's not, you're not lonely. You don't have to be. If you choose to have a posture of, of I'm fully present with myself, I know who I am. I'm, maybe I'm growing in my confidence, but I can step out in an opportunity to meet someone, have a conversation, position myself to find just a moment where I come alive. And that's what I shared about in that chapter with Switchfoot. We were in fact filming the video for the song, When We Come Alive. And I just thought, 
wow, this is living. I could be fantasizing and wishing I had my boo thing right next to me around this fireplace and missing out on this absolute joyful, wow, I can't believe I get to experience this moment that I'm sure has the same emotional complex, which you as a psychologist can probably affirm this, the same emotional satisfaction that you get in a moment like that could be just as satisfying as the day you say, I do, as the day you meet the one. And so it's really that emotional connection that we're, that we're looking for rather than the thing that we think it's packaged in. That is so well put. And we can, as you stated, we can have that emotional experience that we desire so deeply in another form. And no, right. I'm not trying to say it's the exact same thing, your friendships with your family, your connection to your nieces and nephews or to friends. That's not the same as meeting your person. And that's going to be unique and special. Right. But I can tell you being totally. on the other end of these uh, of this situation, that everything that I did to embrace my single experience and to be in that moment and to not put my life on hold and waiting until I meet my person to travel or to do these epic kind of events and have these experiences, all that did was, as you're saying, it really positioned me to embrace life in a fullness that I bring to my marriage which is a strength in my marriage because I'm not looking at my husband like, oh, I found you finally. So now you're going to make me happy because I was miserable all those years. You know, I didn't bring that kind of energy. Who wants to bring that to a person? That's a lot of pressure to put on someone who's not very loving, is it? To go, okay, finally you're here. Now make me happy. Right. Absolutely. And I think that we need to romanticize the right things in our singleness. We need to romanticize the lonely walks through the city. We need to romanticize the moments that we get to show up. And I think that we are just so inundated with a type of romance of relationship within the erotica, you know, or, you know, that type of connection that we are missing out on the romance that we can create right in front of us. And that doesn't mean that there aren't moments that do hurt and are painful. Obviously, I shared about that. That's why I wanted to interweave, you know, the heartache with the longing and the satisfaction that I did find. So I think it's important to realize we can hold both, Mm -hmm. but the opportunity is in our hands to show up to it. What are the pain points that you're hearing from the women who've read your book? I'm saying women. I mean, anyone can read their book, but it tends to be women who read books like yours. What kind of pain points are women currently struggling with? (sighs) You know, Dr. Karen, it's really cool because I get to hear from these actually men and women after the fact, usually that they've read the full thing, but majority of the time they're telling me, oh my gosh, finally someone is talking about the things that we wish we had words for, or we wish that people understood the struggle of wrestling with both admitting that maybe I don't want a relationship right now and I'm really good and I don't need any more encouragement in my singleness to try to find someone. Even in our 30s, you know, I, I'm i 32 right now and I'm the last in my family, you know, to be living the single life. And I think that it's really hard sometimes because either you feel shame from others just in the projection of them wanting the best for you or we're shaming ourselves. And so from the guys and girls that I'm hearing from, they're just saying, thank you for putting words to what we've always felt and wish 
that we could feel like we're enough. You know, I think that that's really an overarching theme is wishing that we would feel like celebrated in our singleness, just as much as the milestones that everyone else is hitting around us. And another thing I will say is then I get to hear after they finish the book, typically it's a, wow, I'm so excited for this season. I can't wait. I've I've heard from women who have booked trips to Yosemite, started new hobbies, started new careers. It is incredible the empowerment that so many guys, men and women are experiencing through just feeling not only validated in their season, but also celebrated to enjoy the adventure right in front of them. And given the tools to say, hey, I have everything I need to live a satisfying and full life. I don't have to just be content. Mm -hmm. I can actually be excited about waking up every single day without a ring on my finger, without trying to wish the season away. I can be stoked on life knowing that my life is good. I think that is such an incredible word and one that I think is it kind of a constant struggle because I think women can step into that space and still feel like it's second best somehow. Right. And we're wired for connection. I mean, mm-hmm. Adam was around for how long before Eve showed up? You know, like it, it makes sense. We have this God-given desire. Most people want to meet their person. So how do you reconcile that? How do you really step into going, no, this isn't second best. This is exactly what's meant for me right now. Well, I wish it was as easy as giving you one answer. <laughs> I wish I had the magic potion for that. I'd be so rich. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, I don't. But I do have my journey and I do have my struggles that I can share about. And I think it's a wrestling, Dr. Karen. I don't think it's the one day wake up, everything hunky-dory, I have my life figured out kind of thing. That's why the chapters of my book are written in these phases of life. It's the figuring out stage. It's the making peace with the mystery. It's the discovering of yourself. It's this ebb and flow. It's mountains and valleys. It's not this linear path. And I think that that's probably why so many singles find so much discontent with their season because they think it's this one straight shoot to the altar. And they're like, what the heck? Like, why am I having so many heartbreaks? Or why do I have to do the dating app thing? It's the why, 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 why am I still single? And I have even a chapter on that in the book where I I say, why do you even ask yourself that question? It shouldn't even be a question you're asking. You're asking to define yourself measured by a standard by which no one has the authority to say this season or this title of single is in some regard less worthy or valuable than any other title or season. And so I think oftentimes we need to get into ourselves and say, who am I and who am I becoming? And and do I like that person? Do I like my life and really explore what's in front of us? And if we find discontentment there, rather than in the search for a significant other, if we find discontentment in our life, that's where we can begin to start making these changes these alterations. I want to move to another city. I can't find community here. I'm not liking my job here. I'm going to change my position. I'm going to explore what life would look like traveling around the world. I'm going to go to a new church. I'm going to explore my faith. There's just so much right in front of us in our own world that we can experience the joy of kind of like, okay, how can I find connectedness with myself and others 
and wrestle with the longing as well as experience the adventure. I love that. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. As we wrap up, Esther, one of the things I really admired and I think we could all learn from, you honored every man who's ever been a part of your life, whether it was for a couple months or a longer period of time or just a crush. You really, I mean, even to the point of writing them notes to say goodbye and really honoring their dignity as another human being on his journey to find love, living out whatever God has for him in this life. And I think that's something that a lot of singles that I interact with feel that unfortunately the apps can kind of make everyone feel more disposable, the ghosting that happens. If someone was interested in like another takeaway from your book, I think you really model that in a a very loving and, and way of communicating dignity and respect to all the people who cross your path. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that that is because I was looking at each person and saying, do I want you to be a part of my story forever? Or are you just a chapter in it? So I wrote the book eight years ago and started journaling my experiences and my illness, dating, travels, career, calling, longing, all of it. And so I think it helped that I knew I was writing this book. And I always encourage anyone that reach out, reaches out to me, I say, hey, you're living your best freaking story. Who are you writing into it? Because it's your choice. Every choice you're making becomes a line in your story. And so I think that we can both live carefree as well as cautiously in that framework where we know, hey, this is my story. You don't get to just jump into my story and and drag me through the shrapnel of your mess. I get to make the choice to let you into it. And as I'm getting to know you, I'm finding out. Are you just a little background character or are you going to share the main stage with me in the limelight of this and continue on writing a story together? So I think if we just, we take it a little bit slower and we romanticize the opportunity that's in front of us in singleness to write our story rather than look at another person and try to find our identity and our purpose and our joy and our adventure, like you talked about, you know, you were finding in your season then we are going to have way more of a posture of power and authority walking in our seas and knowing that no one else can define our happiness in singleness or in marriage one day. I love that. And that's something I speak to on the program all the time is that we are in charge of our happiness. We are in charge of our emotional state. No one can make us feel anything. We choose to allow circumstances or someone to make us feel a certain way. And I say it all the time. Every morning I wake up and it's God and me who's going to make me happy that day. It's God and me who's going to decide it. I don't look to my husband. And I do think that this is something that the single season affords us, that knowledge. I do think it's harder when people get married young and that can be God's best for many people. Many people, many of my friends, family members, got married young, but I do think we have the opportunity to define our own experience. And we learn that on an an additional level when we have those solo years. So I try to encourage 
anyone in my community to remember that there are strengths that we gain during our single season. I'm not saying God can't teach those same lessons to someone who's married, but there's a unique opportunity to learn what we're made of and to gain that confidence and knowing, like you said, that what we're learning in our single season is absolutely going to benefit our future partnership. Absolutely. And Dr. Karen, I actually have, you know, a question for you. I am in a newer relationship. I am in transition. I hope this doesn't discredit my, my, you know, authority and singleness. Everyone's like, you're in a relationship. Why are you talking about being single? And I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, we got some things to talk about. That's why. And I'm, I've been in this relationship for seven months now, and I'm navigating expectations and what I once fantasized about and dreamed about versus reality. And so I'd love to hear from you and your experience and your professional background. And what do you have to say to singles who are soon going to transition into relationship and then transition into marriage? And how do they navigate the emotional complexities of, well, I thought it was supposed to be like this and you're not like this. So, you know, <laughs> to prevent them from, from throwing away a good thing and from having this discontent addiction, what would you have to say to them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because it's one that encompasses a lot of different elements because to your point, someone could say, well, this is how I had envisioned it in my head. And yet that's not what I'm experiencing, but it's good. But is it just good and not epic? I want something really extraordinary. I don't want to settle. So it's something that I think you have to just, what you're doing, you're talking about you've been together seven months. My number one recommendation is to just take the time. The whirlwind romance of rom-coms and chick flicks, I don't recommend. It can happen. I mean, we always hear grandma knew grandpa two weeks since they got married. I think that's great. <laughs> it's not most people's experience that you're going to have a healthy relationship if you are caught up in those initial phases of infatuation and make a long-term commitment. So I would just recommend you take your time and keep your eyes wide open. That's the main thing is to make sure that, because sometimes that fantasy that you created, what's in front of you is actually better. You know, God's best is often better than you ever imagined. So you want to take time to go, okay, let me reconcile that. Well, I thought I wanted this, but wow, I really like this. This is better. And we want to recognize that when we have common values, that is the, the psych research shows that we are much more likely to have satisfying, strong marriages when we share those values. So sometimes that opposite attracts kind of notion, it really doesn't pan out in the end. So I think you're doing the right thing, just taking your time. And then the values piece is always something to take into consideration. A lot of marriage is really just wanting to live a similar lifestyle. So yeah. So if you do like adventure and you do like to travel, then you want to be with someone who enjoys that too. If you're an extrovert, you got to be with someone who also doesn't mind being really social because you don't want to be dragging your significant other everywhere all the time. We really don't want to force someone to be who we want them to be. We want them to thrive in their authenticity and who God wired them up to be. Just look and see and just take it all in. Is this a match? Good. I appreciate that. That's so good. And we need to romanticize that more. (laughs) We need to to realize, wow, being practical and logical is just as romantic because then we can fall in love with those components of what God has provided or maybe realize that's not it. You know, when we, we take a step back and say, oh, I'm consuming this data about that person. That actually, that doesn't, that's not who I want to continue to grow with. And so I think that that's really, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. 
Yeah, of course. Thanks for asking. So yeah, so Esther, where can people buy your book and where can they find out more about you? Uh, I saw on your website, you do community building type stuff. So let them know more about what you're, what you're all about. Sure, absolutely. Well, you can connect with me or find my book on singleshouldn'tsuck.com. It's as simple as the title of the book. And, or on Amazon, if you like that crime, you want to get it tomorrow, you can order it on Amazon and find me on Instagram or TikTok at Estes, that's E-S-T-E and four S's. My DMs are open. I'm always here to connect. I'm all about sending voice messages to people and hearing your stories. So I also have a community for singles that I'm always trying to encourage them to get in community where you have some common ground. Like I said, common ground of other things beyond just being single. And so I'm happy to connect with anyone who would love to reach out. Great. Thank you so much for your time today. And I I definitely hope that folks will find you because you are really providing that support that I think so many singles do feel they are lacking community. And so a a platform like yours really provides that. Thank you for having me, Dr. Karen, and happy uh, Singles Awareness Week. (laughs) The The love and life hack for this week is love the life that's right in front of you. I'm borrowing from Esther Marie's philosophy on embracing her single season. I think it's a word we can all benefit from no matter what season of life we're in. Thank you as always for joining us today. Be sure to head over to Instagram if you'd like details on how to win free books all week. And of course, don't forget to stop by my website, loveandlifemedia.com to get your free empowered dating playbook. Take charge of your thoughts Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. 